Welcome to the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing for Law Firms podcast, featuring the latest strategies and techniques to drive traffic to your website and convert that traffic into clients. Now, here's the founder and CEO of 10 Golden Rules, Jay Berkowitz. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever time this podcast finds you, welcome to the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing for Law Firms podcast. We have a great guest today, John Cumberworth. Get to John in two minutes. Just want to thank you for being here. And it's uh, I think this episode's going to air sometime in January, but you know, let's face it, you could be listening to this in January 2026. So uh, if you are, give me a shout out on social media or uh, give us a, a nice rating on iTunes or Spotify. We really appreciate it. John, welcome aboard. Glad to be here. Appreciate it, Jay. So, John, you know, I always look for great guests with an awesome background in the legal space. John, tell us about your background. Yeah. So uh, as far as legal goes, uh, I was the co-founder of a chat business called Client Chat Live. Uh, we worked with, at our peak, we worked with over 650 law firms throughout the U.S. and Canada, and we provided the software, but also the live chat agents, real people chatting with visitors to websites. A lot of it was mainly PI firms, mass tort firms that were generating traffic to their websites. But, um, you know, we we started in 2008, bootstrap company, uh, grew over time through digital marketing awesome. and relationships. <laughs> yeah. So exited in 2021, but um, still working with, with legal now. And where's the firm at? I, I know you sold it. Where's it at and what's the status? Yeah, it's still still going, still going strong. Uh, the parent company of Alert Communications were the, the the acquirers. So I worked with them for about a year and a half uh, to help in, uh, integrate and bring it over to to work with the team at Alert. So if you get in touch with Alert Communications, they'll they'll have client chat live as well. But still going strong. That's great. That's a nice integration for them, for sure. Cool. And so. Um... Go back a little bit, you know, tell us about um, a little bit more about your background and some of the more interesting things that happened in your life. Yeah. So uh, going back further, uh, I was in oil and gas uh, prior to taking over Client Chat Live full time. Um, So worked in Houston for a steel distributor and we sold steel to oil field equipment manufacturers. And so it was a lot of strategic relationships and and in that terms of sales. And we didn't have any kids at the time and said, hey, we'll go anywhere in the world. Brazil was on the table, Singapore. So we ended up in Dubai for about five years, uh, two-year contract, worked in Dubai. And, and from there, I think that was probably my biggest learning opportunity and growth opportunity in my career. I had a phenomenal COO who was my boss and um, just learned how to be a great leader from him. Um, and and just being over there, different cultures, different people, uh, we were kind of on an island, if you will, uh, so we could make our decisions. We were autonomous um, and we could move pretty quickly in, in how we decided to acquire different uh, machinery, things like that, different inventory. So it was supply chain driven. And, um, you know, I take a supply chain approach to how I run businesses um, now, even if it's tech or anything else. So, um, you know, had three kids over there. I uh, would recommend anybody going to Dubai. It's a great place. Very Western, very friendly, family friendly, right? But it was, it was great meeting all the different people from throughout the throughout the world. 
What was the most interesting thing about living in that environment? Yeah, I think just really getting to know the fact that it was not so different from being in the U.S. And I say what I mean by that is people are people, right? And so it's whether they are from uh, Pakistan or India or England, they have similar motivators. Um, They have different cultural aspects to how they would you know, like to be led, like to be talked to, uh, like to work in a business. But for the most part, it was a great opportunity to learn how to motivate people, um, how to hit targets, how to celebrate those targets um, when you did achieve them. So for me, it was it was getting to see the global aspect of how business can work. Somebody from would move from Houston to Dubai, and I knew them in Houston, and great opportunity for relationship building and it just showed how small the world is uh, in pretty much any industry you get in, right? You know, it's a small world. That's awesome. Fascinating. You said you had a great mentor and learned great leadership lessons from him. I can't let that one go without asking you to share some of those lessons. Sure. Uh, He was a a lifelong expat and settled in Houston. Uh, His name's Fran Bob. So fun name, uh, you know, but, um, He, one of the first things he said to me uh, when I came on board in Houston was, you know, our job at our company is to provide opportunity for you to develop. And he said, I will be the first to write you a recommendation letter to go to Halliburton or Weatherford if for whatever reason, we don't have that opportunity, you've outgrown us. He said, that's our job is to, to figure out how we can continue to develop you and develop our company to give you those opportunities. And I thought that was pretty interesting, you know, for someone to say, Hey, early on, if you're, if you outgrow us, uh, I'd be right behind you. And I thought to me that showed a lot of sincerity in how he wanted to lead people and develop people. And he truly cared um, about not just me. He got to know my wife, got to know my family. um, And I don't think any of the other, executives had really done a great job at that. And I think it's not, not everybody's going to be great at doing that, but, um, you know, it really showed how much he cared about me as a person and my personal development. And I tried to, I tried to do the same with my team as well. Um, and understand that we all have choices. Um, but at the same time, you know, we, we all want the same thing. We want to develop and grow. And it's harder and harder to do in a in a virtual environment, right? Like we used to have, you know, lunch with our, you know, with with everyone, and we we had an office lunchroom, and you know, whoever was catching lunch at the same time, or you could go out of your way to spend time with folks, and we would have um, spouses to the holiday party, and now we're spread all over the world and all over all over North America for sure. Um, how do you? overcome that remote benefit and obstacle. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely is a, a different skill set to do that. Um, uh, first is obviously being intentional about it, uh, which which makes a lot of sense. But then it's incorporating people. Uh, one thing he did really well when we were in person um, as a leader and mentor was incorporating me into different meetings that I was just a fly on the wall. Um, and then over time, I would be able to 
present a slide or two, you know, a month from then. So it was just getting that exposure and you can do the same thing with remote. Um, and so I think my team at, at client chat live was remote from 2015 on. So we were, we were aware of how to work that way prior to the pandemic. Um, and so it's, it's making sure you don't miss those meetings, making sure you've got your video on. That was something that was, you know, I guess an, an, an issue at some companies that they had to enforce video and some people didn't like that, but I think it went a long way. But um, just having those meetings and then having some other things that were, were uh, team building, we did some different game mornings at Client Chat Live and it was not my idea. It was our team's idea. They would they wanted to do some um, some fun games and things like that where they might be typically icebreak icebreakers at different events, but they really were helpful with our team team building aspect. That's great. And so you exited twenty twenty one. Tell us about your current role and you're doing some great consulting work. Uh, tell us about your role and what problems you solve for people today. Yeah. Uh, after 2021, uh, it was an opportunity for me to step back and say, what do I really want to do? I uh, worked with a, a career coach and hadn't worked with a coach before. And with her, I was able to identify why I made some of the choices I made for careers, for college, for for all kinds of things in my life. And um, and it really kind of settled on, OK, what gives me energy and, and when do I feel like I'm adding the most value? And I was part of an entrepreneur's group. Um, called Elite Entrepreneurs out of Phoenix. And when we would do hot seats with the other business owners, I used to love, I, I always had my issue and I talked about it and had, you know, had my questions answered. But what I really loved was listening to the other business owners and having them basically outline what, what their issues were at that time, most pressing issue. And then working with them to try to diagnose and then give them some kind of advice or, or opportunity to, to improve or, you know, approach that situation. So what I'm doing now, it's, it's a company called Acting Executives and working with small to medium-sized business owners, mainly law firm owners, and working with them with executive coaching and also providing customized operational and system playbooks. So things like intake, hiring, how to manage your talent, so that you retain people. Um, what does your tech stack look like? How do you analyze vendors? So all those can be playbooks put to put to use. And then uh, as well as interim or fractional executive leadership. So businesses where they're not big enough to have a full-time COO or need a full-time COO, they need one day a week. They need someone to help them execute and implement some different systems. That's where we would come in. That sounds perfect for a lot of our our listeners and some of my clients. So we'll uh, make sure we make that connection. Awesome. You know, we're early January, hopefully folks listening to this or or whatever time of the year, you know, I say it's planning season and hopefully folks got a head start when we did our planning webinar in November, but those who either don't have a plan or don't have an excellent business plan, what are three tips uh, or suggestions you can make for folks about you know, getting the plan right for your business. Yeah, I think, um, and I don't want to include this in the three, but first and foremost is have a plan. <laughs> um, yeah, and there's, amen. Yeah, and there's so many different things out there, that how you, frameworks that you can use. 
I always think the the, sim- the most simple for you, if you've never done one before, um, first is understand your purpose and your mission. So purpose is what's your North Star? Why do you exist? Who do you help? And why do you do what you do? Uh, mission is more of a quantifiable two to three year target. We want to help 200 clients in the next three years feel like themselves again, something like along those lines. But I think the three tips would be understand who you need in your team or on your team uh, to achieve what you want to achieve and have clear goals for each one of those roles. So if you have uh, someone managing your intake team, what are the two to three KPIs for them that that you would use to hold them accountable? Um, and really for them, it's creating clarity for them. They need to understand what would move the needle for them. Um, so that's probably the, the main tip is having clear KPIs for each person. And then they're in charge of those KPIs. So it's not you reporting to them. Um, another tip would be create a system that can provide visibility and clarity for you. And meaning you've got scorecards or dashboards or something that sometimes can be tedious in putting together and maintaining. So just create a simple one that gets updated regularly, weekly, so that you can have that visibility. It creates accountability. It creates motivation, all kinds of things when you can see the numbers right in front of you. Um, So that might've been a lot more than three tips, but. Oh, that's, that's perfect. That's awesome. How familiar are you with EOS? The entrepreneurial operating system. Pretty familiar with it. Uh, definitely read the book Traction. I know you've talked about it in some of the other uh, podcasts and guests, and you're you're implementing that now, I believe, with your business, right? Yeah. I think it's a great system. You know, for for me, there was a book called Three Hag Way that I that I love, um, and it's very similar to Traction um, tra- uh, or EOS. But EOS for me was a little bit robust. So smaller firms or, or businesses may be able to take pieces of it and implement it. But, um, you know, I think it does take a an integrator, somebody that's basically dedicated to integrating the system and maintaining it for a business, which for some businesses might be too much. Yeah, I think the, the integrator can have another job, you know, like. Right. If you have an operations manager, they're basically your integrator. Um, and then they, they just run the level 10 meetings and whatnot. So we're really excited to go fully in uh, starting January. And we've been integrating pieces of the puzzle, like you said, yeah. of our scorecard in place. Um, we do our quarterly planning. And one of the things I love about Gino Wickman and Traction is he freely and openly uses the other experts, like the planning um, folks who came before him, he uses their terminologies. You know, he, like he uses uh, the rocks and he uses um, BHAGs and stuff. And he quotes who, who mm-hmm. did these terms so that a lot of people, like a lot of people write a book and they take that basic principle and then they put their own spin on it and give it their own name. And sometimes it's confusing to, to folks if you've read you know, the other business books and you're like, well, wait a minute, is this, this, is it the same? How many rocks do I need? Mm-hmm. So, anyways, that, that's my personal take and I love it. Um, well, so I'll check out the hag way too. Uh, yeah. And, and I think no matter what framework any business decides to use, 
the most important thing is that it has full buy-in from the top. Meaning if you're the business owner, you're not going to just say, oh, let me hire somebody and they can implement EOS and I'm going to do my thing, but make my team run. It's not going to work that well. Um, and it's it, you've got to have buy-in from all the executives, all the leadership. It's a commitment that needs to be made starting from the ownership. So you've got now a, a nice plan in place. Do you have two or three tips about growth for a law firm? Yeah, I think first and foremost, know your ICP, your ideal client profile. You have to know who you're marketing to. And sometimes that might be, this might be the most basic aspect of it. But if you're a personal injury lawyer, you go out and say, well, I'm just trying to get anybody that gets hurt uh, at, at no fault of their own. Um, a couple, one attorney I've worked with identified, he loves TBI cases. He loves working on brain injury cases and he's very good at them. Uh, and so it's, if you want to grow, sometimes it means niching down uh, and really identifying specifically who you want to work with as your ideal client. And I think the the second thing would be identify who is going to be in charge of growth. So a lot of times firms will spend money on marketing and activity, and they've got all this inbound, these inbound leads coming in. People are making phone calls, but they're getting dropped. They're not getting answered or they're getting answered by the wrong people. You know, it's amazing what happens when you secret shop firms. So have a clear intake plan for what you're going to do with those leads that come your way. How do you filter them? How do you screen them? And then who's going to be closing them? So that's where I think that gets missed a lot of times is they want the phone to ring, but then what happens after? Exactly. Great point. What are the best practices for that, that next step? Stick with personal injury. You have a lot of expertise in that area. Mm -hmm. So first and foremost, it goes back to that ideal client profile. So do you have that, that criteria laid out? Okay. Were they injured? Yes. Were they at fault? No. Does the opposing party have, uh, is there there a source of recovery? Do they have insurance? Yes. Uh, Things along those lines. So it really depends. You've got firms that will take soft tissue uh, injuries and a firm down the street won't even won't even give that person the time of day. So first and foremost, understand what your criteria is for who gets through the door, basically like a sales qualified lead. Once you've identified that, that next step is who is going to be the person that does even more discovery uh, within that intake call? Who's going to close? Who's going to either set that consultation or uh, set up that meeting where they're going to go visit the, the the potential client. So when you have multiple people doing that in a firm, sometimes it's lawyers, sometimes they're better at it. Um, if you have intake people, make sure they're sales driven as opposed to customer service driven. It's a very tough job being on the phone, talking to people about their, their potential case all day. Um, but track their close rate. And that could be number of calls they've taken and number of consultations they've set. So you'll look up and you'll see Jim will have, you know, 15% close rate and Sam has a 20% close rate. And, you know, Sheila's doing 35%. It's like, what is she doing differently than the other two? But that you have to have that visibility in, in those numbers. So 
for me, it's it's identify the who, who's taking those calls, who's going to be handling them. And then what do you want to come out of that? Do you want a consultation? And that's fine. And then that, that next step is closing from consultations. That's a whole other kind of ball game, if you will. I love but, it. That's uh, awesome. Well laid out. Thank you, sir. <laughs> I mentioned this on our previous call and um, I'm a member of a CEO networking group and the MBAs audit that group. And one of the questions we ask our guests is, tell me about a pivot or a change decision in your life or maybe a couple. And what are the life lessons you learned as it might pertain to a young MBA or a young attorney? Yeah, I think um, the probably most uh, impactful pivot or change in my life was after I sold uh, or we exited Client Chat Live was I never used the muscle. And this is going back to my career coach. Uh, I don't think I really exercised the muscle of making a decision for what I really want to do. And I hadn't spent time on identifying what gives me energy. I took whatever came across my way and made the most of it. Uh, the opportunity to work in oil and gas, the opportunity to um, you know, go to college here in Texas, play basketball, things like that. Okay, it came my way. Sure, I'll do that and I'll make the most of it. And so doing the exercises to really identify my own personal core values. Um, you know, we do it for business all the time. We have annual plans. We don't do enough of it for ourselves as business owners, entrepreneurs. And I would get really frustrated with myself for not knowing what I wanted to do. And it was kind of a spiral for a little while. So I think for CEOs, for, for people that want to own businesses or be in leadership positions, it's understand your why and understand what gives you energy and, and makes, you know, makes you feel valued. I love it. Um, tell me a little bit about the personal coach and, and the exercise and how, how that developed and, and what you worked through with uh, him or her. Yeah. So she, uh, she is a career coach that works with a lot of UT here in Texas, UT MBAs. Uh, but she's also got that little psychotherapy background as well. So it was like, we can talk career, we can talk childhood, all that good stuff. Um, and so it was, tell me why you chose Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas. Tell me why you chose to work at Cintas right out of school. Why did you choose these op these other options? And she just basically identified patterns from that. Um, and it was that, that pattern of I took what came along or what was presented to me. Um, and so it was working through that. But then as we progressed through the coaching, it, it came to, okay, now that we've identified some of these things, what are we going to do with them? So let's talk about self-talk. Let's talk about doing things that are outside of your comfort zone. I went skiing for the first time this year. Uh, pretty proud of that. Didn't think I would enjoy it. Didn't enjoy it at first, but talking with her, I almost, I almost packed up and just did the bunny slope at the end just to get a win. And I was like, nope, I'm going back to, and people that are skiers will kind of make fun of me for this, but yeah. I'm going back to my green. I'm going to tackle that green. And I, I did it finally. And it was just that self-talk working with her, identifying what it is I'm telling myself, like, and, and what am I going to do with that information, with, with that talk? So, you know, I think that was probably the most beneficial uh, in working with her and identifying what it is I want or can do. I love it. That's awesome. Great. Well, 
we we always wrap up with a couple um, quick questions. Um, what are some apps or techniques you use for personal productivity? I'm uh, I'm pretty heavily involved in Chat GPT right now, as a lot of people are, but um, I use the custom GPTs quite a bit. Uh, the ones where you can create your own. Um, so I basically built out an executive team. I have a CMO, a CFO, CLO, CRO, and I have a VP of sales, Chet Holmes, the the ultimate sales machine. He's my uh, he's my VP of sales. So I use them to create outlines, create some strategic planning, and it's. It, Sometimes it can be a rabbit hole, so it kind of goes opposite of productivity, but I love utilizing chat GPT right now to create outlines. And then I, I jump into Trello, uh, which is kind of like Jira, um, Monday.com. I think a lot of people use that, but I add different tasks to Trello and my VA that I find through Upwork, she'll tackle some different things. I've got a designer through Upwork as well. So I'll use Trello to communicate with them and Slack to communicate with them to, to take care of tasks. I love it. Um, matter of fact, I, I have the book, The Ultimate Sales Machine pulled out here. There you go. Because we were working with a firm this morning and we're gonna, I talked about doing an annual planning and develop their Dream 100. And, um, I refer to it at least once a week. Great, yeah, it's an amazing book. Yeah, next one, you touched on a couple books. Any other best business books you recommend? For, for starting out as an entrepreneur, I would definitely recommend The E-Myth by Michael Gerber, classic. Um, Indeed. He talks about, you know, putting out that org, the org chart, uh, even if your name's in every box to start, what is it you want to build and, and add people later throughout that. But um, E-Myth is great from um, a leadership standpoint. Uh, and I know some of your other guests have mentioned this, but multipliers was was phenomenal. Um, kind of helps you identify how you can get the most out of people and how you kind of have to work with sincerity and, and honesty. And I know a lot of people will read that and say, Oh, I've had a boss that was the diminisher. We've all been there. So definitely recommend that one. And then three Hagway as well. Yeah. There's definitely been a movement in business to have much more disclosure. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess in this day and time, you can't hide very much. <laughs> so for sure. Yeah. Transparency is. Yeah. What, what, do you more think, more. Uh, what caused it and what's the benefit of it? And what would you recommend in that space? As far as being more transparent and open. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think it's just a, not just the younger generation coming into the workforce, but I think, you know, the more, more and more people want to understand what their value is. And again, what are they working towards? So what's the purpose? And I think Bill Biggs touched on it recently in, in your podcast is they, they want, they want to know why they're working as hard as they do. Um, and so it's really just that why that is starting to take over how businesses are run and it's generational, but I think it's just over time, you know, I, I don't, recognize myself as a millennial even i'm like right on the cusp despite this gray the gray beard but you know it's i, I personally as well want to know why i'm doing what i'm doing and if i don't believe in it it's going to be hard to motivate me um and that goes for a lot of other people as well i'm sure 
I love it. Uh, that, that helps explain that for me. <laughs> Thank right. you. Any blogs, podcasts, or YouTubes that you subscribe to that you recommend that you would never miss? I never miss uh, My First Million. It is uh, a great podcast. It's kind of all over the place business-wise, but it, it's all about new business ideas and you know what what what's coming, what's out there. They have good guests out there. So that that's one of my favorites for sure. And on the legal side, I love uh, Charlie Mann as well what he's doing with they don't teach that at law school but uh on the blog side i'm I'm getting some different gpt different ai specific blogs i think prompts prompts daily is a good one nice yeah big fan of charlie he recently did a great session for us in this podcast about the five hundred thousand dollar referral engine yep if you don't have a great strategy for building your referrals please listen to that show the second last question, who's your NFL team? So I'm from, I claim Tucson. I'm an army brat. I claim Tucson, Arizona. So I'm an Arizona Wildcats basketball fan. I don't, I don't claim the Cardinals, but I lived in Houston for a time. So I'm going for the Texans and I'm loving what CJ Stroud's doing. Can't quite get on the, the Cowboys bandwagon, not being from <laughs> Texas originally, but um, you know, I just, I, I, I love sports, uh, you know, I played college sports and love love watching the competition i was in green bay last week watching the chiefs game with some friends so i'll go wherever i can to see live sports oh that's but, great uh, yeah yeah it's definitely bucket list to uh, see the stadium it was I, amazing I, I took the tour I, I i probably still have to see a game there yep snow flurries it was it was textbook you know <laughs> storybook lambo visit the packers won sorry if you're a chiefs fan but uh you know, it was a storybook visit for sure. I'm a Dolphins fan, so that that win was great. Okay. Was put yeah. the Dolphins in first place. I, I I don't think we'll hold it, but should be awesome right. that uh, that buy. And last question: Where can people get in touch with you? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn quite a bit, so definitely find me on LinkedIn. Uh, it's John J O N Cumberworth, um, and then our website actingexecutives.com. But I would say LinkedIn is probably the most where I'm most active. Awesome. Well, John, thanks so much for doing this. I know everyone, if, if they made it this far, they really enjoyed it. So uh, definitely get in touch with John or follow him on his socials. Thank you again. It's awesome. Yeah, I appreciate it, Jay. Good talking with you. Thank you for listening to the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing for Law Firms podcast please send questions and comments to podcast at 10goldenrules.com. That is podcast at 10goldenrules.com. 